0: Hey guys, welcome back to yet another edition of the Mixtape podcast, the podcast dedicated to discussing film from a screenplay writer's perspective. I'm your host for this week. My name is Marcelo Inostraza, joined as always by my fellow co-host Dean Stark. And on today's show, we'll be talking about the 1997 film Boogie Nights, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. So, as we do every week, I will kick it over to Dean to take us through this movie step by step.
1: You know, there are two types of movies there are story driven movies and there are character driven movies. And if you sit there and you're like, hmm, what does she mean? anybody listening, think about any movie, one of your favorite movies, any movie you want, and think about what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Is it the story? Oh my god, that was so amazing! Or is it the characters? Oh my god, the characters were so great. So, for example, I'm there's a point I'm getting to a point. (laughs) So, think about movies like Final Destination franchise. Nobody knows the characters. (laughs) Everybody just knows. Oh my god, death is coming to get you if like you don't die when you're supposed to. Like that's story driven, Uh, character driven. Would be Star Wars. So anybody that thinks about the Star Wars movies, what do they think about first? Vader, Leia, Luke, Han. Um, Job of the heart. Do you know what I mean? Uh, character driven. Now, my point is, Boogie Nights is a movie that people kind of shy away from. They go, oh, it's about pornography. It's about making porn films. That's what it's about. But it's so much deeper than that, which is why I picked it, because I don't think people realize what a great movie this actually is, because it's character driven. And you wouldn't think that when you hear the premise of the movie. And like Marcelo said, it was directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Now he doesn't do a lot. He predominantly, when I stalked his IMDb, he predominantly does music videos. He hasn't, he's done maybe two or three features, but he hasn't done a lot, but he is, and he wrote and directed this movie. He's an amazing writer because in Boogie Nights, it was really um, difficult for me to take notes because there's so much shit going on. There's about 10 subplots that weave yeah, into yeah. the main plot, and all uh-huh. the characters um, have a beginning, middle, and an end. And there's so many different characters, but not one of the characters has nothing to do with the story, with the main story that he's telling, which is why I love this guy's writing. This guy's directing is amazing, and he doesn't do enough of it. And, you know, di- did you think that? Did you think, oh, my God, there's so much going on, but it's it works. It all
0: works. I I really listen. Um, I, as, as most of you know and who have listened to the show before, I love film, obviously, or I wouldn't be here talking about it. But Paul Thomas Anderson um, has always been a guy that I've been really, really curious about. But I've never really started... look into there's a point to this just like dean i'm getting to a point Mm. i've never really looked into his filmography until a couple years ago and one thing that i really like about paul thomas anderson is that all his films that i've seen so far are character driven and director driven and boogie nights within itself is so expertly written and it's directed and it's directed so well and it just flows like for example i'm sure when dean gets into it the way that he starts out this film it's so kinetic and it is so full of life and it just keeps going and going and going Mm. and every scene flows every scene goes right into the next so there's no there's no downtime it this movie has a pace and a speed to it that is just wonderfully done
1: yeah, it is. And the funny thing is this movie is two and a half hours long, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel it, it doesn't two and a half hours right. long. As the thing. Like Marcella said, there's no scene that doesn't need to be in there because there's so many mm. characters in it. And listen, I wrote my notes down and I wrote this and I, I said to myself, I cannot... I can't follow every single character because we'd be here for three fucking hours. So I kind of just chose a couple of characters. If Marcelo, if you feel like I've missed out on something, jump in because I did kind of skip certain things because this, I mean, like I said, this podcast would be fucking 10 hours long if I wrote down everything, but without. Okay. I got
0: feeling, you. I got you. Got,
1: yeah. Cool. 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 Um, here we go. So Boogie Nights, 1997. Uh, the premise is back when sex was safe, Pleasure was a business, and business was booming. An idealistic porn producer aspires to elevate his craft to an art when he discovers a hot young talent. So the opening scene were in San Bern- San Fernando Valley, nineteen seventy seven. And by the way, and I know you're going to know this, I fucking love the soundtrack. The soundtrack to Boogie Nights. I fuck. This is my jam. This is my music. I, every single song in it. I was like, this is great. I don't know why I never bought the soundtrack. I should buy the soundtrack. <laughs>
0: They got, I just love it. They, they got, they got, they got motorhead. Yes. In, in this film, but I'm like, holy
1: shit. They've motorhead. got seventies and eighties music and it's just like my favorite and I just fucking love it. So anyway, um, we're at a nightclub and this scene, okay. So there's a few times in this movie, Paul Thomas Anderson, which is why I love his directing and Marcelo, you're going to get it. He does these shots where he doesn't cut. And you know, I love yeah. it when directors do that. He Warners. does these long shots. Wonders. Oh my god, that go for like like two, three minutes, which doesn't sound long, but in film time, it's a long time. And he weaves, he does it the first scene in the nightclub, also- he does it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Also, I'm so I'm sorry. Just to really jump on there. Yeah, yeah. Also, the great thing, the great thing that I love about this opening scene is the way that Tom Paul Thomas Anderson directs the uh, directs this scene is that he circles around his characters. Mm. Like, like, like the camera. The camera is always in motion, mm-hmm. and I really, really appreciate that. It's like, it, it's like he's painting a canvas. Look, I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to get too highbrow on you guys, but I love that in this film, Paul Thomas Anderson's camera work is always kinetic, it's always moving, it's always going somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's never it's never static and it's never still yep. unless it has to be.
1: Yep, yep, I agree. And you know me, I don't notice directing unless it's really fucking bad or unless it's really fucking good. And in this case, it was really good. So what he's done in this nightclub scene is 80% of the characters in this movie are in the nightclub and he does this Mm -hmm. thing, like Marcelo said, he introduces each one of them. He goes, one shot, he goes table to table and they're just having a little bit of conversation and then he goes to the next one and the next one. But everything flows. Like one character will walk past and then the camera will follow him and then that character will walk past another character sitting at the table and then he'll go to that table. Like it's just like, I never noticed his directing before. I've seen this movie so many times and I actually really love this movie. So anyway... We set up all the characters in, in the nightclub scene. We meet Jack, which is played by Burt Reynolds, and he is the porn producer. And then we meet Eddie, which is Mark Wahlberg, and he's a busboy. He's working in the nightclub. He doesn't know anyone. He doesn't even live in that area. And Jack sees Eddie, and Eddie is um, obviously p- played by Mark Wahlberg, and he takes a liking to Eddie. And he just kind of stares at him and Eddie's staring back like, what the fuck is this guy staring at me for? Um, And then we meet Amber, which is played by Julianne Moore, and this is Jack's girlfriend. And then we meet Roller Girl, which is played by Heather Graham. And then we meet uh, my favourite character, Little Bill, which is played by William H. Macy. And I just (laughs) just love his character. I felt...
0: You felt, felt so fucking bad I, for him, didn't you? I I know. Seriously, seriously you, you said it. I felt so fucking bad. So for fucking me, bad. Fucking, I so was, bad.
1: was like, what the <laughs> fuck? Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, you made um. You also made a sub uh sub character called Maurice, and he owns a night, he's the manager of the nightclub, and he's trying to get in. He's trying to get into the porn industry. I didn't write much about him because again, there's so many characters in this movie, and they have all they're all so rich. I just didn't have time to like mm-hmm. follow. All of them, so that's that's the opening scene. Do you have anything more to add to the opening scene and the um introduc- introduction to basically the main characters that we're going to be spending time with?
0: No, I, listen, listen, from, from a directing standpoint, I thought the way that Paul Thomas Anderson introduced 80% of the characters, like Dean said, in this opening nightclub scene was great, but also from a screenplay writing perspective. The thing that the thing that I like that he did was he took all his main characters, put them in one place, and he said, main character number one, two, three, four, five, and six. I love the mm. way that he knocked out all of all, all of this all of this necessary stuff, he knocked out in one scene. Yeah. And the way he did it was so economical. So from a screenplay writing perspective and from a and from a directing perspective, the way that he Stage this opening scene was just so great and wonderful. So
1: we get from we get home from the nightclub. We're with Jack, which is burt Reynolds, and Amber, which is Julianne Moore. And they arrive home, and Amber goes into the bedroom and she snorts some cocaine, and she gets on the phone, and you can't hear what the other person is saying on the phone, but she's like, "Can I speak to him? Uh, I just I just want to speak to my son." So this establishes she has a son, a young son, and the person on the phone won't let um her talk to her son so obviously something's happened she doesn't have custody of him and you know obviously we know why she doesn't have custody because she just she she's does drugs and she, she the kid was just taken away from her and she's just devastated like she gets off the phone and she's just crying and crying so she's not the main character in the movie yet paul thomas anderson has given her such a rich storyline <laughs> and he doesn't have to but he does no and um i no, like that scene know, it sets that, her up nicely i mean
0: look I mean, listen. As a writer, if you're going to create a character and you want that character to fit well in your script, and you want them to serve a purpose in your script, give them a rich backstory and put and make that character flow throughout the narrative of your story. Mm. Or listen, listen. Our job can be really difficult sometimes, but if we do it right, you get a movie like this. Exactly. So that's that's. After the opening
1: scene, that's the first scene. The second scene, we're with Little Bill, which is William H. Macy, and he gets his, he's so innocent looking. That's the problem. hes He's got this mullet and he's just, he's, the problem. He's, just he's just so, I'm he just sorry, looks so innocent. <laughs> he's so innocent. I mean, he's cast perfectly. And he gets home and he hears a noise coming from his bedroom and he wanders over to the bedroom and he opens the door and his wife is having sex with some guy and she looks at him. She looks at him and she's like, get out. (laughs) And he's standing there like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, get the fuck out and shut the door. And he just stands there and he's like, uh, yeah, Uh, yeah, all right. And then he just closes the door and just leaves the room. (laughs) And I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) like I love his storyline because he's just so innocent like he just oh any other any other time a couple would be doing that like no but you can see she just railroads all over him and he's just like so nice he just won't say anything and before you say anything uh let me just tell you a little a little tidbit um the actress that plays his wife is actually a porn star Oh, okay. Cool. Um, there's two porn stars in this movie. I'll tell you when the other one is coming up. But she's she—they actually hired a real porn star to pay, play um, play his wife, which I thought was kind of cool.
0: No, but I l- listen. I <laughs> I'm a big fan of William H Macy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt so bad for his character throughout the course of this film. Like I absolutely hated his wife. <laughs> I'm so yeah. But yeah. W- what what happens with his story? I was like yes, but then I was like no. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're like yay oh no <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like that yeah I, so that's why i feel so yeah, happy like him. That. so that's that scene and then the next scene is eddie mark Wahlberg. he arrives home and we get a he, he goes into his room and again paul thomas anderson does this beautiful shot and it's just one shot of the room we come in on the room where he's focused on mark warburg and then the camera pans down to mark Wahlberg's jeans, and. You can see it. You can see he's got a big penis. You can see it through his jeans. It's massive. You don't actually see it, not yet, but you you go, oh, okay. And then he does this this shot of the room. There's all these posters. It's kind of like um, John Travolta's room in Saturday Night Fever. He does this shot where he pans around the room and by the time he gets back to Mark Wahlberg, Mark Wahlberg is in his underwear and he's basically doing the same thing that – uh, John Travolta did in Saturday Night Fever. is looking at himself in the mirror. He's like flexing. So I have a feeling that he took that from Saturday Night Fever, like as a, as a homage, uh, to that movie, because there's a lot of Saturday Night Fever references references in this movie. But, um, I like that scene because, uh, we can see what he has. We can kind of see what he's packing, uh, without actually seeing it. And all throughout this movie, it, It is alluded to that he has this giant penis, right? But you don't, you only see the reactions of other people when they see it, which I love. It's like jaws. You see the reaction, but you don't actually see jaws until literally the end of the movie. And I love it when directors do that. So the next morning, he goes for breakfast and we find out that Eddie has dropped out of school. He's 17 and his mummy's a fucking dick. His mum's a dick. His mum tells him, "Oh, you've got two jobs and you can't do school." she's just a horrible, horrible fucking person. But the two scenes that she's in, the actress holds her own. It just you just fucking hate this witch. But anyway, um, so it sets up his family life. It sets up his port. Sets up he's a dropout. It sets up his um mum's a dick, and it sets up that he's got like quite a big package going on. So oh, it's, it, that's all set up in that scene, which I loved.
0: Yeah, listen. I really love the way that Paul Thomas Anderson uh, introduced his room and sort of and sort of you know you know did that panning shot of showing us all the posters all the posters in his room and all the stuff that he had in there and like Dean said the way that he did it with going into the room going around the room mm-hmm. and by the time he got back to um, Mark Wahlberg he was in his jeans and he was just checking himself out and like mm-hmm. Dean said. It's alluded that he has a bit of a package down there, but we don't really see the shark until much later on. Mm. And um, I think, listen, as a storyteller, if you can allude to something bigger, and if you can hold it until the last possible second, and you can and, and you construct your story right along the way, that final reveal can be. Really, really great, and it could Mm. really, really work like the way it did in this movie. The one thing I will say about his mother, though, I thought that woman was a bitch. I was like, hundred percent. I was like, I was like, woman, I fucking hate you. You're awful. Just get the fuck out of here. So I I was, oh yeah, I was, I was really happy that she was just only in two scenes. And also, Paul Thomas Anderson did a great job of showing us that his father had no spine. Oh yeah. His, oh, yeah. his father was just like a like he was like just there to be there
1: yeah so now we move on now i wasn't originally going to write this guy's storyline in um buck the black cowboy because i like him as a character but there was so much going on but there is a really cool scene later on at the convenience store which i wanted to bring up so i'm like oh i better talk about his fucking character because i do like that scene i think that i thought that, that was pretty ingenious so we meet buck He's an African American guy. who works in a stereo store, and when you meet him, he, he he's just dressed like cowboy. He just i he just goes, oh, I like the look, and he's just he's just himself, which is what I like about him. And he's trying to sell a stereo, and he he go he, he's he's talking to the patron, and he goes, Oh, let me put in some music so you can hear how the stereo plays. And then this country and western horrible music starts playing, right? And you're just like, oh, cringing. And the guy in the shop goes oh, yeah, nah, and he walks out and his boss comes up to him and he goes, what kind of a brother are you playing that country and western shit? <laughs> and you're just like, oh, <laughs> and, and Buck's face is just like, oh. And I was just like, that is so bad. That is so bad. Like, like they're all supposed to listen to hip-hop. Like they can't listen to anything else it has to be hip hop right it was just so i don't even know I, you know like i don't even know if it was fucking racist but it was just like what <laughs>
0: like, dude it was
1: so weird dude,
0: yeah. uh, dude, I, yeah, dude i just love the fact that he's obsessed with the uh, with you know, with cowboy shit yeah, yeah. I, I you know the you know the um, the character played by Don Cheadle. i think he he just does mm-hmm. a he does a really really good job at just being this guy who has this thing. Yeah. But he also, he also, throughout the course of the movie, tries to convince people that cowboy is still in. Yeah yeah, it, yeah, yeah, A lot of people, so, when when a lot of people around his orbit are trying to tell him, no, man, c- cowboy shit went out 10 years ago. Move on. Change your look. So but, I really yeah, did yeah, appreciate, yeah. I, I really did appreciate that, like you said, he's steadfast and he was like, no. I, I I like to sell and I'm going to be me and that's it. It's funny. Him and his wife um,
1: have a conversation later because she keeps berating him. She's like, oh, my God, can you stop dressing like a cowboy? Like, come on. And he's like, but this is how I dress. That's how you dress. This is how I dress. Like, what are you supposed <laughs> to be? Like, what? What?" She goes, I got my own thing going on, right? And he goes, but what is it? She goes, I'm chocolate love, all right? <laughs> and I just pissed myself <laughs> I'm chocolate. And he just got up and goes, nah. And he just left. He's just like, nah. Um, His wife wife doesn't get enough downtime um, in the movie, but she's hilarious. The lines of dialogue that that the director gives her. And honestly, sometimes when you write a movie, you don't often give the best lines to characters that aren't really in it, but he gives equally good lines to everybody, not just to Mark Wahlberg, which is what I like. He just makes every character so rich. But yeah, so that's Buck. I liked I liked Buck a lot. I felt bad for him.
0: Yeah, no, him. no. I mean, look. I mean, look. The way that the way that Tom Paul Thomas Anderson. I can't say his name fifty fucking times throughout mm. this podcast. So the way that the director. I'll Just yeah, say that, director. the way that the direct. The way that the director gave equal amount of time and and and, and 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 good pieces of story meat to every one of his characters. This movie is properly balanced, so so well. Mm. Like, it, like, 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 like. If this movie was on a scale, it would be profitably balanced and profitably flat. Yeah, not not too high, not too low, right down the middle. Yeah, it's just so well crafted.
1: Exactly. So now we go to Roller Girl, and she's in school. She's in high school, so she's like seventeen. I
0: love Roller Girl.
1: I love Roller Girl, and. She's sitting down to do her like an exam, and she gets the paper on her desk and she's looking at it. And then she she obviously she has no idea what the how how to answer anything. And as she's sitting there, there's a boy a couple of desks in front of her, and he turns around and he's doing the motion as if like like to get a blowjob. And she's just looking at him, and he's just such a cockhead, like he's just a dickhead. And then he 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 starts looking at her like, oh, I love to suck cock and all this shit, and like just being a dick and so she gets up and she just fucking leaves the classroom and she kind of never goes back to school until later because obviously because she gets an arc too but um i'm bringing that scene up because there's a fucking full-on scene that happens later with him <laughs> in the in the limo <laughs> and i'm like yeah, oh I, wow. um, that's a lot
0: yeah i uh i seriously when that when that scene happened in the film i wanted to punch a guy in the fucking face oh 100 um, yeah. percent. oh yeah because he's, but like Dean said, he's a fucking cockhead. Yeah. And what happens later on was just like a, was it was a really tough thing to watch. Yeah. But just for my satisfaction, I was really happy just to see. Yeah, I was too. What I was happened too. to that fuckhead?
1: So now we're back at the nightclub, and we're with Jack and Roller Girl, and Jack tells Roller Girl like he wants to see what um, Eddie is packing, so he tells her go and grab him and like just have a look at it, like give him, basically give him a blowjob. And she's like, oh, okay. So she grabs Eddie. She goes out the back, and she unzips his pants. And the look on her face—the whole movie is just the looks. And I remember the first time I saw this movie, I was like, "Fuck, are you going to show us? <laughs> like, are you ever going to show us, or is it just going to be like, I want to fucking see it?" So it was just, her look was just like, "Oh my god!" And you're like, "Oh my god, okay." And then, um, uh, yeah. So that's 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 it. It was quick, but but Jack needed to know if he needed if he if he wanted to pursue him, and now he knows.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, oh, look, all, this movie is about suggestion and 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 expectation, and like I said before, the way that the director builds it up, builds it up, builds it up, and the way that he lets it go at the end of the film is just great. But you're sitting there going, you're seeing, even I was wondering the fuck. What the fuck does it look like? Come on, just show it to us already. I
1: know, I know. So after that scene, Jack takes um, Eddie back to his house with Roller Girl. And it's so funny because Heather Graham is standing there and Eddie's sitting on the couch and Jack's opposite him. And Roller Girl's like, we're going to do it? We're going to fuck? Like she's just like so fucking excited for this. And I'm like, wow. Mm All right. And then she just, she takes off. Um, what she's wearing oh, fucking butt ass naked, but everything, yeah. everything. And I'm like, oh. yeah,
0: you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I just want to say one thing. Um, when I was watching this movie, it took me a couple seconds to pinpoint who roller is played by. Hmm. And I like had the biggest crush on, uh, Heather Graham when she did Austin Powers, mm. uh, the second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I selfishly, I, I after watching this movie, I was like, "Thank you, Paul Thomas Anderson. You made one of my boyhood dreams come true." <laughs> um, but I was like, "But, but, but, regardless of my hormones saying thank you to Paul Thomas Anderson for things, mm-hmm. um, she she just plays a great role. But the way that the the way that she is, and the way that she just goes along with getting butt as naked in front of a a guy who she's never who." who she barely even knows yeah i was like okay yeah
1: yeah okay (laughs) uh so basically they you don't see it but but jack wants to see how how eddie performs so he has to see him Mm -hmm. in action if he's gonna if he's gonna hire him but you don't you don't see it
0: yeah
1: and then um and then eddie arrives home quite late and he's this scene is so bizarre to me he arrives home his mum is sitting in the dark Very weirdly, waiting for him, and then she starts berating him, calling him "You're stupid. You'll never be anything. You better break up with that whore of a girlfriend." Do you know what? It sounds like a jealous wife. That's what it sounds like. It doesn't sound like a mother and a son. It sounds like she's a jealous wife, which really, I was like, I don't know if you thought about
0: that dialogue. This weird. This is the only. This is the only scene that didn't work. Yeah, and Mm. and the reason why it didn't work is because first of all. I thought that it wasn't justified. Second of all, she keeps referring to this whore of a person that he's going around with, and we haven't seen him with anybody except fucking roller girl. No, there, so was, a like, scene,
1: there was a scene where he was with a girl that he was dating, but it was oh, just a oh, nothing yeah, that's scene. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right, and I'm like, well, yeah, but also, yeah, that, that's a really good point that I forgot. Thank you for reminding me of that, but still... Mm. The way that she just attacks him and berates him for no fucking reason, I'm like, excuse me, woman. Yeah, Who the fuck hurt you? I mean, this yeah. this kid, look, look, this kid's a fucking dropkick, you know, but he made his decisions and he's still your fucking son. How dare you treat him like that? What yeah. the fuck is wrong with you?
1: And he tries to pack his shit and you're like, you don't own this. I own this. I own everything. in this. like, it was just, what it was fuck. It was great acting by the actress and Mark Wahlberg though because they really really yeah sold it but it was just they, like they committed out of nowhere. they committed
0: yeah but it but, was a lot yeah yeah but it was it was it was a little bit it was a little bit it, listen it was a very powerful scene but it was a little bit unjustified to me for the reasons that I mentioned because yeah. the way that she talks to him and what she says about him mm. I'm like this is not justified because we haven't seen like yeah. the way that she was acting her actions and her behavior really didn't match. Yeah. Because we, because we didn't see Mark Wahlberg being a fucking mm. dropkick. Mark Wahlberg, had, when when we met him or the character that he plays in this movie has a job. So we didn't see it being a dropkick. Yeah. So everything that she says to him and the two scenes that she's in feels like she's just a bitter person who. Takes out her failures onto her son. Apparently,
1: um Paul Thomas Anderson modeled her after his mum, which is
0: quite sad. Oh oh my god. So Okay, well, okay, well, okay, well that brings that brings a whole new light into the picture, but yeah. wow, okay. That is really sad.
1: Yeah. So um, Eddie leaves. He runs out just with the clothes on his back, and then the next scene he arrives at Jack's place, and there's a pool party going on. And another beautiful shot, one shot that's like five minute shot where it just goes from conversation to conversation through the house, back out through the pool house. Mm-hmm. Like it's just uh, such a beautiful shot. Like it's <laughs> it's amazing.
0: Yeah, I, I look. I was like, I I like when I saw this shot, I was like. I really, really, really love the way that Paul Thomas Anderson moves the camera. But the other thing is that the other thing that I said, I really, really love the camera operator. Oh, yeah. It is. Really, it is, Guys, um, for those of you who are listening to us and you don't know how difficult it is to move a camera around a big, in large space, the only thing I'll tell you is it's difficult. Mm. Um. Yeah, it's not it, it. It's not like picking up a camera, putting it over shoulder, and going from this place to that place. It's really, really difficult to do that. So, just his directing style really, really makes me happy because again, he goes throughout the party, going from conversation to conversation, and it just flows like a musical. It's just great.
1: It does, but I mean, like I, I feel sorry for the actors because if one actor fucks up. <laughs> They gotta Just do it again. One, they gotta do it again. Like obviously there would be like tons of rehearsals. But honestly, like imagine yeah, if you're the last person in the scene and you fucking forget
0: your lines. Fuck. Oh my
1: god. You'd be like you, get offset. Fucking get yeah. <laughs> you'd be sent to yeah, the money.
0: Yeah, but yeah, but also, uh, if they fuck up, the whole scene has to reset. So everybody no, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so it's just awful i feel i feel worse for the act even though like
1: i'm not an actor person like i feel bad for them because it's yeah, like yeah. you fuck up you fuck up everybody it's not just you everybody mm-hmm. uh so anyway mm-hmm. this beautiful shot and then a phone call comes in for maggie it's it's a boy looking for his mum, and you're like who the fuck is Ma-? and no and is nobody knows a maggie who the fuck's maggie and then the guy gets back on the phone M- maurice and he's like yeah there's no maggie here and then there's this I, I have I told you how much I love this writing and directing? And then he hangs up the phone and then there's this shot of Julianne Moore and instantly you know, oh, my God, that was yeah. her son. And, oh, my that's God, Maggie. obviously that's Maggie because porn stars, she yeah. uses it Amber. And it's just like, oh, and you don't even, he doesn't even fucking say it, but just by the shot you know it's her and you feel bad because she just tried to call her son the other night. and poor little bill poor 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 little bill he goes out this
0: is this
1: is this is the worst this is the worst isn't it the worst (laughs) it's so fucking bad he he walks uh, right so he walks out the back and he sees people gathered around something he goes what's going on here and he looks and it's his wife having sex with a random guy just out in the back, and there are pe- like in the in the driveway, and there are people oh, gathered God. around just just watching. What the fuck? And he's just what? like, "What are you doing?" And he, she she looks at him. She goes, fuck, him, "Fuck off! Get away!" Like, and he's just like, "What?" She tells him to go away, but, <laughs> and he
0: goes but, away. I but the but the other thing that I kept thinking until we got to the end of his storyline, what possessed this man to marry a woman like this? But why wouldn't he just what divorce kind of- her? <laughs> yes, but that, but also, also that's the thing that I was thinking throughout the film as well. Yeah. Before, we hap- before we found out what happened, before we found out what happens to him, but I was thinking, just get the fuck away from her, man. I know, She's I was thinking, the fucking the same appreciate thing. you. But
1: again, this is beautiful. Get shot. away from
0: her. Yeah, I know. Get the fuck away from
1: her. There's this beautiful shot that the director uses when he sees his wife, and his wife is like, "Oh, go away," and he's just he walks away, and this, and he goes to walk away. And there's a guy that comes up to him because he's because um little Bill is on the production he's team. AD. He's he's an AD. And so this yeah. guy coming up to him and he's talking about camera stuff and he's talking about all this stuff. And the scene is beautiful because it's not what they're saying. There's a, there's there's William H Macy on one side and there's the no. actor on the other no. side. And in the background you can see
0: he,
1: his wife having sex with the guy. <laughs> right. Perfect framing. Perfect framing. I don't care what they're talking about. They're just talking about yeah, bullshit. It's a great it's, shot. It's a great shot. <laughs> it's a great shot. Because well, because little Bill goes, I don't know what you're saying. My wife is over there fucking some guy. Can you give me a fucking break? Like, it's just, it's a beautiful <laughs> shot. It's beautiful shot. Yeah, yeah, it's just great. It's so, great. so Jack suggests to Eddie, maybe you should come up with a stage name. And Eddie says, there's this name that keeps coming to him, Dirk Diggler. And Jack is like, oh my god, that's perfect, Dirk Diggler. And it was funny because they asked. They actually asked the director, how would you come up with that name? And he goes, I don't know, just came to me one day, <laughs> just like Eddie. And he was like, it just came to me and that's a porn star name. But anyway, um, what did you think about that very long scene but awesome scene? Like there's a lot in that. That's just one scene. There's a lot in that.
0: Yeah, I listen, listen, again, again, I really, really like the way that the director had the camera flow through the party. And also another thing um, I I felt really bad for uh, Julianne Moore's character in this Mm -hmm. film, Amber, Mm. because seeing her struggle with addiction really, really bothered me because I personally have had people in my life struggle with addiction, Mm. struggle with cocaine specifically. Mm. So seeing her go through that and seeing her, seeing her life go down the path that it goes because she chose to do that for whatever reason was just sort of heartbreaking to me. But again, I love the way that Paul Tarn, the the director of this film communicates that uh, Maggie is Amber by just doing a small push in to Julianne Mm. Moore. And just the look on her face is just a look of sadness and unhappiness. Mm. Yeah. And like she she is the picture of someone who is for one reason or another of someone who is physically broken Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and who, who, who can fix herself. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's just so, so awful. Yeah. Um, it is, (laughs) but the, the William H. Macy stuff with the wife in the, in the, in the, in the parking lot (laughs) or, in the driveway yeah. getting fucked is just <laughs> hilarious, but but it's it's fucking it's fucking sad it's hilarious <laughs> I, Yes, yes, uh, yeah. Again, uh, again, you took the words right out of the mouth. It's hilarious, it's hilarious at the moment, but when you find out what is going to happen, yeah, it's sad. Yeah,
1: yeah. So now we get to shoot in the porn movie and Eddie. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is really nervous because he's really naive. He's re- he's only 17 years old. He d- doesn't, you can just see the nerves on his face. Julianne Moore is in the scene with Eddie and it's so, it's such a funny scene because I mean, it's, it's a typical eighties porn scene, office scene. It's an interview office scene. Eddie comes in to be interviewed, you know, by the, the stern Julianne Moore. And the, the, the acting is so bad. It's like, hi, I've come in for an interview. Oh, what are your credentials? Well, I you know what I mean. Like it's like it's. I mean, it's supposed to be bad acting because porn is fucking terrible acting. But it was so funny. But the director wanted to keep it as authentic as as possible, which is why he told them, "Bad act, do shit shit acting, <laughs> do the shittiest acting you've ever done," um, and it worked because it gave it a little bit of. Um it wasn't so serious because you can't help but laugh because the dialogue that they were saying made no sense. It's like, "Oh, you've come in for an interview. Drop your pants." It's like, "What?" <laughs> like it doesn't even the scene doesn't even make sense. Yeah,
0: but, but, yeah, but here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. P- porn doesn't make sense.
1: No, no, for, no. No, but for, that's why that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, it, that's the point. Yeah, that's the point. That's the point. Because it's he wanted to make it so realistic that he didn't want the scene to make sense because it doesn't porn movies and it doesn't make sense but it's funny because as soon as eddie drops his pants we can see again the crew's faces and the cameraman actually zooms out (laughs) you could see him zooming out (laughs) and he's just like he's not even looking through the lens he like looks he's like what and he like looks looks, at it he looks out of the lens like what like and you can see all the crew's faces like what the fuck what the fuck and you're just in there like show us what the hell is going on but again it's it's showing um uh, this this th- that he's got this gigantic fucking package um so what did you think about that
0: um i i really really like that and also i really like the way that um the porn scene was was set up in stage because the ad the um the character played by william age macy i i for- forgot his name at the moment little bill but little bill i love how before he go and before he goes to get mark Wahlberg, he goes through the scenes that they're he goes through this the scenes that they're going to shoot that day with the character played by burt reynolds um because uh in ad people that's what they do Mm. so i really i really appreciate that point of authenticity even even on a porn set i'm happy that they do that Mm. um you know, so so I I really really enjoy that. The other thing that I was really surprised with is that when Mark Wahlberg's character goes into the scene and before he starts, he asks Julian's more Julian Julian Moore's character, "How can I do it?" Basically, and she just says, "No, oh, you know, if you know, when you get there, come on my tits or you know." Oh yeah, so you're- I like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so 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 I so I like the fact that he is kind and he is not. I like that. I, I like the fact that he's considerate, because yes, because because porn people for those of you who don't know, it's very difficult, right? Yeah. Watching it is easy, but it's very difficult. Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. when you're when you're when you're in a when you're in the scene with the, another partner, you have to be considerate and you have mm. to know what your partner expects yeah and what they and what they need yeah as a as a scene partner, and I like the fact that uh the director put that in there, mm-hmm. but also the the, the the thing that made me chuckle is like you said when he finally whipped it out, the crew's reaction and the, the fact that the camera guy had to pull back was just hilarious <laughs> as hell
1: yeah the the dialogue when it, because he's so innocent and he doesn't he wants yeah. to make sure that she's comfortable and you know not uh, realizing that she's a seasoned porn actress and she just like yeah. whatever but it's so funny the dialogue is so um it's so bad it's so no, no in the scene it's bad but it's because the, the when when he was saying oh you know where you know where should i come right and she's like oh you can yeah. just come on my stomach or like on my tits you know but it yeah. was so yeah. deadpan that she because she said it like she's delivered that line a thousand times. Like it's just normal to her. Love the way that he told yeah. her to deliver it. Like this is your life. This is a job. So you're just instructing yeah. him. You know what I mean? It's not weird at all. And yeah, I really, really liked how
0: she played that. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But uh, so, uh, just one more thing. Hmm. Um, she says that thing, but as the scene goes on, I'm sitting there going, I'm sitting there watching this scene. I'm like, how long can this guy go? Because they, yeah. they paul thomas anderson sticks with the scene for quite a while yeah he does and i, I find it really shocking when she just you know when they're almost finishing she says you know come in me and and she goes i'm fixed and i'm like oh wow and i'm like okay um yeah i was i was like uh, i'm not too sure by the way But sometimes
1: like it like that yeah yeah. i mean that wouldn't it wouldn't really happen like that no
0: no yeah no but also also it also i think it just gives you a peek into the state of mind that this character is in Mm. and what she's dealing with that she would do something like that
1: yeah yeah um yeah
0: in that particular moment
1: yeah so after that after he's done his first porn movie there's a montage of time passing and now eddie has money and he's getting Italian shoes. He's getting, you know, nice clothes, and you know his his movies are popular, and he's he's winning adult film awards. He's famous now in the adult film industry. Everybody wants to work with him, and it was a nice passing of time. And now we get to 1978, which is a year later because we started in 1977, and that Mark Wahlberg brings up to Jack that they should film a movie, but like a real movie but that has porn elements, but like a real movie. So now they're shooting the cheesiest movie I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. It's called Brock Landers, Angels Live in My Town, (laughs) starring (laughs) Dirk Diggler as Brock Landers, and it is so fucking it's like starsky and Hutch but like 10 times like worse like it's oh my god i can't even explain i can't even explain how fucking bad and mark Warburg has this mullet and it's oh, it's terrible it's all bad
0: <laughs> but it's hold funny. up but the but the thing but the thing that the thing that made me chuckle is that they sell it to Burt Reynolds' character as James Bond. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if she look, look, look. John C. Riley, who who plays uh, Mark Wahlberg's friend throughout this movie, is also great. Um, and you know, and, and and seeing them take that leap and 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 produce several sequels in this series, um, is just really really funny. But the uh, the other thing that that reminded me of was. In the eighties and the seventies, porn movies didn't have much of a story. But as 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 we got into the eighties, the nineties, and the two thousands, there's a lot of porn movies that have like this exaggerated long story. And I'm yeah, and one can be, one can be sitting and go, guys, what the fuck are you doing? Just get to the sex. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, guys, I'm watching this for the sex and we just get to it so that him him saying that there needs to be more of a story just just reminded me of how much i fast forward through all the story parts in my favorite adult films because i just don't want to
1: yeah but i don't want to
0: bother with stuff
1: but back back then i mean poor movies were shown in the cinema (laughs) like can you imagine can you imagine oh my god like that was a thing that was real yeah I mean I just yeah. I can't fathom that you would no, just I, go I pay money sinis- with other people
0: <laughs> No. <laughs>
1: like how would you uh, I don't know it's just uh, but it happened. And so yeah, and so the directors happen. wanted to make it a movie. So I think I think it just yeah I, I don't know it was just fucking most bizarre <laughs> shit.
0: <laughs> but um <laughs> right.
1: that that was even like allowed. But anyway, so mm. they do that. And now it's 19 oh it's New Year's Eve 1980. <laughs> and um amber gets eddie to try cocaine for the first time which which is it basically turns into a downward spiral for him because he's never tried it
0: so she's like hey
1: yeah, yeah try it. you know i don't i don't like people that that, do, really me. that that do drugs and that offer it to people that have never done it before i don't like that at all i don't i don't like it because you know, some people, they'll try it and they'll be like, oh, okay, and then they'll be like, oh, whatever, and they'll get on with it. But a lot of people, because it's an, it's got an addictive quality, they'll want it again and again and again, and it's that person that gave it to them that's at fault. That's what I think. And I don't like these people at all. I'll oh, try it. You'll be no. fine. You know, I've had that before. Try it. No, no, try it. It'll be fine. And I'm like, what the fuck? These people are literally the worst.
0: No. um. Well, that scene with Julianne Moore really bothered me and I wanted to kid her. Um, yeah. And look, 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 I'm not a violent person, Mm. but that happened to my, that happened to my dad. Um, Mm. he got, well, fuck it. He got addicted to cocaine because of a friend of his. Mm. And if, and if it wasn't for other members in the family who, when my dad was at his lowest, I remember my family telling a story about, about my grandfather having to pull, having to go get my dad and pull him out of a fucking bathroom and drive me to rehab himself, which, which must have, which must have been really Jesus. difficult for him. But, um, uh, when I saw that scene, I was like, how dare you? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like what, like what, mm-hmm. like, what is your, what is your malfunction? Yeah. I know. If, if you want, listen, if you want to do drugs, and if you want to ruin your fucking life for whatever reason, fine. But yeah. don't drag other fucking people into it. Yeah, I know. I agree. I didn't like that either. So
1: now Jack has a meeting with a financier, and the financier is telling him movies in the cinema are on their way at went on their way out, and video is coming in and taking over. And Jack is basically like, "I don't believe it." I don't believe video is the new thing. Um, I don't believe amateurs, you know, because this guy's basically saying you can hire anyone. Just hire anyone that can have sex. Put it on a video. You'll make money. And Jackie's like, no, because Jack believes he's a filmmaker. Jack believes he's legit. And I'm sorry to all the porn um, directors out there. You're not directors, okay? I mean, you are directors, but you're not real directors. You are. I mean, you're not real directors. I'm sorry. Am I going to get shit for that? I mean, you're not.
0: No. Because the way that porn
1: is directed
0: is horrible. (laughs) It's hold, up, fucking hard. hold up, hold up. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I listen, I will say that nowadays the porn industry is in the mainstream for the most part. Mm. Like like your life won't be blacklisted if you were a porn star. Mm. But Dean is right. Um as as high quality as the porn is these days, porn is still porn. It's not it's not like film, it's it's not the same thing. It's, it's something not different. high quality.
1: Yeah, like it's well, not, like just because, it, like just because you can have a shot of an ass or of a dick, you know, do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that you're you can direct. Do you know what I mean? Like just because you know what I mean? Like it's just it's not high quality. It's not. The stories are bad. The acting's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you and like you said, people like yourself don't even care about that
0: shit. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I, 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 most I people the, don't give a I, shit I,
1: about the story. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I know. Uh, when when I watch what I watch, I come there for a specific reason. I just get to that point, and that's it. I don't yeah. bother with anything else.
1: Yeah, and they know that, which is why you know there's so many free websites because most of it you click on it, and it's just like there's not there's not even a story. It's just straight into it. Yeah, because people don't go, want stories. Yeah. People used to want stories, um, but they don't want stories yeah. anymore. So. You know, it's just no, no. you know they they just want quick they just want instant gratification. They don't want to wait. But uh, right, but anyway, right. so Jack doesn't want it. Jack does Jack doesn't believe it. Doesn't want to convert. He's like, no, I will never believe that video will overtake film. Uh, spoiler That's alert: It fucking does.
0: It does. <laughs>
1: it does. <laughs> so now we're back with poor little Bill, and he's looking for his wife again. <laughs> Where's my wife? Where's my wife? We fucking know where his wife is. <laughs> And then he walks into a room and sees his wife again cheating on him. And so what he does, she tells him, get out. So he gets out. He goes, okay, calmly walks out of the house, goes to his car, grabs a gun, calmly walks back into his house, walks back into the room, shoots his wife, shoots the guy he's with, walks into the living room. Everybody's heard the gunshots. It's just about to go 1980. He puts a gun in his mouth and he shoots himself. And you're just oh. like, oh man! So this this is what we meant before by like we love what he does, but then we don't like what he does. But yeah, it was it was sad because he. I feel like his character he didn't have a lot to do, but I felt like he just no. didn't know how to get out of it. He didn't know what to do.
0: Yeah, no, I was look, I look, look, I look. I think everything in this film was there for a specific reason. But if, it, as much as I love this character, if there's one thing I would take out,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'll take out the bill stuff. Because the little the the little bill or the little bill stuff really didn't have that much of a core effect on the main story of the film.
1: But none of the character, none you, of the sub characters really did. They were just kind of right, walking around.
0: They were there, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, but I was just listen. I was just really, I I felt really bad for him because. Uh, to, to to be in a position like that to have a wife who obviously doesn't give a shit about you what 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 on god's green earth would compel you to not move forward with your life and get somebody who really cares about you
1: i, I don't know trauma it dep- you, you know what i mean you don't know I, I why guess. So, you know there's 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 so many people in relationships and they won't leave and you're sitting there like why won't you leave? But you know what I mean? You don't know what they're going through. You don't know if they can. You don't know. Maybe he really loved her and he was just, he let her get away with it because he loved her. And then he got to a point where he just went, I can't do this anymore. It's mentally fucking me and I don't know how to get out of it. And this is the only way. Uh, But moving on, next scene is we're with Eddie and he's being interviewed and you can see he's getting cocky because because he was so innocent before. He's like, oh, should I do this? And should I do that? And, you know, okay, I'll do that. You know, very naive, very innocent. And he's getting cocky now and he's getting overconfident and he thinks he's king shit because he's won all these awards. Nobody stands against him. You know, he's the top porn porn um, actor in the industry at the moment and it's all gone to his head. And it's a perfect, it, it, it's perfect because it shows you how fame morality. gets, how fame changes someone, how you can literally yeah. go from being poor, innocent, really nice, that he was and naive and, oh, can I do this, can I do that? To this you know monster of a person because that is what happens when everybody around you says that you're untouchable you start acting like you're untouchable and it was a short scene but i really really liked it what do you think
0: yeah i thought listen i thought it was very apropos to what happens with famous actors famous writers famous directors when they get to a level of fame they feel like their shit don't stink and the problem with these people is that these people reach a level of I can do whatever the fuck I want? That when they get knocked off of the pedestal for whatever particular reason, mm. the fall is long. It's it it's it it's unforgiving, and when they get to the ground, mm. it fucking hurts. And what happens to Mark Wahlberg's character? It's 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 no it's no exception to the rule. So it's just it, it's just really really it was really really. Uh, hard to see him get introduced to drugs and to see what drugs did to him as a person.
1: Yeah, exactly. So now it's 1982 and Eddie uh, goes up to sees Jack in um, a nightclub and Jack is speaking with a young guy and he says, this is the new guy on the block and Eddie does not fucking like it. He doesn't even look at the guy, and he just fucking walks off like he's king shit. Which is something he would have never done at the beginning of the movie. He would have never been rude to anybody. He was so gracious to anybody that that spoke to him. Anybody didn't even matter who it was. It could have been the the, the janitor. He was very very gracious. But now it's like, oh, there's a new guy. What the fuck is he going to take my throne? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I'm the king shit. What are you doing? Do you know? Like, he didn't say that, but you could see it in Mark Wahlberg's face. I don't like this. This is bullshit. And then he just fucking storms out. So what do you think?
0: Yeah, I just you know what I I I was like, dude, you I mean you need to calm down and you need to take a minute. But obviously, throughout all these scenes, you can notice that Mark Wahlberg is using drugs more frequently and he's tweaking. Mm. Oh yeah. Throughout throughout all these throughout all these scenes that we're gonna talk about here, just for a few seconds. Mm. And it's just really disheartening to see somebody who, as Dean said, was so humble at the start of the film, yeah, get to this stage of paranoia and get to this belief that he is more important than everybody else because here's the thing: he's not mm. yeah. there's always there's always another guy behind you, yeah, if you can't if you can't do the job or if you get too old. There's yeah. always somebody waiting there's always somebody waiting in the wings mm-hmm. to take what you already have. Yeah. Always. So so that's why when you get something like that, you have to be humble. You have to be you have to be smart and you have to and you have to protect what you have once you have it. Yeah. Because if you don't if you don't and you're cavalier with it, you can lose everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So now it's 1983. And Eddie is now doing lines and lines of cocaine and he's visibly fucking messed up. And he's at Jack's house and he goes into the bathroom and he tries to get a hard-on because they're about to shoot and he can't do it because the, the drugs. He doesn't realise it's the drugs that's fucking it up. He's, he can't, he's can't get it up. So finally he fucking gets it and he storms out onto the set and he says, Jack, I'm ready to shoot. And Jack says, oh, 20 minutes, we're not ready. And he says, no, no, I, I, I'm ready to shoot. And Jack's like, in 20 minutes, he goes, No, fucking now. I'm ready to shoot fucking now. Let's go fucking now. And Jack turns around to him. He goes, Well, we're not ready now. 20 minutes. And you can see he's changed. He's demanding now. Before he was like, Oh, this is okay. Now he's demanding because of the drugs. And so there's a huge fight. And, you know, Jack basically fires him, goes, You know, fuck off. You're fired. You know, we don't need you. And Eddie's just fucking lost the plot. He's like, You're nothing without me. And blah, blah, blah. Again, it's the drugs talking. The drugs fucks you up. And so, he storms out, and then he re- like that's the end of that scene. But then he really, really fucking spirals. Um, but what do you think about that whole you know fight scene?
0: Yeah, I you know I just felt really bad for for uh, for for Eddie um, because uh, flash, guys when you take drugs it fucks it fucks with your system. Um, yeah, and but I just yeah, but the other thing the other thing that I really felt bad for is that. I was really upset that um, Julianne Moore's character um, never, Amber, never apologized for it. Yeah. She never, she never once in this film says to Eddie, I'm sorry for fucking you up. But she doesn't realize because she's fucked up. She doesn't get it. Yeah. 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 Well, she's fucked up too. But I wish there was a point of recognition that she understood that the reason why this happened was because of what I did. Mm. And if I, and, and if I had never done that, mm. he would probably still be here. Yeah. And yeah. also because of her behavior and because of her lifestyle, she loses something that's way more important than her relationship with, uh, Eddie or her working relationship with Eddie, mm. uh, later on in the film.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So now is probably the funniest scene in the movie where Eddie tries to get a recording contract <laughs> and it we're so in a, fucking oh my God, we're in a recording studio and Eddie is recording a song and it's literally the worst song I've ever heard. It's an 80s song oh. and it's, he's trying, yeah, he's trying to get, <laughs> I can't it's like the words are like, it's similar to the song jump by Van Halen, but it's literally Mark Warburg singing, but he can't sing. He He's tone deaf. <laughs> if you were to watch this movie, <laughs> literally just Google this scene and have a good laugh because it's just, it's fucking hilarious. He, but he thinks he's good. That's the thing. He thinks he's good and because nobody tells him he's not. That's the problem. Everybody around him thinks no, the he's other, the greatest at everything.
0: No, but here's the problem. Mm. When you, when, when you are going through a difficult time, when you're a drug addict or when you're in an abusive relationship or whatever, mm. The hardest thing to do is get out of that. And the Mm. thing that makes it harder is if you have nothing but yes, men and yes, women around you the whole time. Exactly. You, you need to to get out of it. You need somebody to say, sit you down and say, wake the fuck up. You need to fucking change right now. If you don't change right now, Mm. you're going to fucking die. But, but to move to the scene, Mark Wahlberg singing in the scene is absolutely horrendous. And I was just sitting there going, Oh my God, <laughs> this is so bad, but I can't look away. It's just you so can't
1: look away, bad. it's so bad. Yeah, it gets worse later because he is he records again later. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so now um we there's a short scene where Buck, which is the black cowboy, he's uh married someone new and he's trying to get a loan because he wants to open up his new stereo stereo store. And they won't give him a loan. Did
0: hmm. Didn't he didn't he marry He married the white uh, girl. the 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 white porn star that was in one of the scenes with uh Yeah 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 Eddie, he did right? he did he did yeah yeah, yeah.
1: So he, yeah. they won't give him a loan because uh why why would they I can't remember why they won't give but they won't give it to him.
0: No, no, the, They 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 didn't give him the loan because um the bank was not comfortable associating with porn actors. Oh,
1: that's right. But he, but he's trying to say, I'm not a porn actor. Like, I worked on porn sets, but I'm not a porn actor. But they're like, yeah, we're not comfortable. So he doesn't get it, and he doesn't know. He wants to make something out of his life. He doesn't want to do what he's doing anymore. He wants to open a stereo store, and like he just gets blocked at every turn, which I feel kind of bad about.
0: He is actually possibly the only character in this film. Well, I'm not going to say that, but he's one of the few characters that wants to do something better with his life. Yes. And wants to better himself. Mm. And it's just really disheartening that the one character that's trying to do right the director sort of mm. you know notches him down a couple pegs yeah. until he puts him in this incredible situation mm. in a bakery that we're going to get to in a few in a little bit here. Yes. Um it's just it's just really great. So now but but, but mm. I'm sorry, but I'm uh, sorry. Just one more thing. Yeah. But with that, but but with that being said, it's really hard to watch though when he's yeah. getting denied by the bank officer because the bank doesn't want to associate with porn uh, yeah, individuals yeah, yeah. or people that have been involved with porn.
1: Yeah, yeah. So now we're with Amber Julianne Moore, and she's at a hearing to get her son back, and she's dressed really nicely, her hair is really nicely done, and her ex husband comes in, and basically it doesn't doesn't go well for her because the the judge is sitting there and. The, the husband says, like, it's it's not a good environment for, for my son. Like, around, you know, she lives she lives in a place that they shoot pornography and that there's drugs everywhere. And she's trying to say, oh, no, he's not exposed to that. But how can you not be exposed to it when it's literally in every room of the house? Like, I, and look, it doesn't go well for her and the judge basically rules against her. And it is it is sad to see Julianne Moore um, crying outside that she doesn't get her son back. But I agree with the judge you cannot put a child in that environment it will mess them up you cannot put especially a boy of, of eight or 10 or however old he is in a place where there's naked ladies walking around all the time this is not going to go well for him when he's older he's just going to think that he can treat women a, a, you know what I mean it's not going to go well and he's going to get he's going to think drugs are okay because mum does I mean there's no way you can keep this shit away from a kid if it's in the same house that that the kid is in So, you know, Julianne Moore could, uh, improve her act, but she doesn't, you know, all she's got to do is like, okay, get away from the porn industry, get a job, get a, like a normal nine to five job. That's kind of respectable by the court standards and get clean, go to rehab. And then you'll get your son back. It's very, very easy, but she doesn't want to give up the lifestyle. So it's like, you know, what do you want here? Do you, do you want your son or do you want the lifestyle? Which is, she wants the lifestyle a little bit more than she wants her son, which is what I got out of it.
0: Yeah, I look, I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's really, really disheartening to see Julianne Moore crying outside. But I'm like, but when I saw her crying outside, I was like, you deserve this. Yeah. Because, like Dean just said, you did nothing to remove yourself from that situation. And make your life better. And you took no steps whatsoever to get clean. None. Mm. You and the other thing is that I didn't like how she was blinded to the fact that the her environment isn't suitable for a child. Are you kidding me? No, no. A house a house that is full of drugs that they shoot adult entertainment in. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm. Do you know how fucked up? It is when you put a kid in that type of environment mm-hmm. and you don't tell them yeah. that everything that they see in this house they can't do. Yeah. Like, I, I I can't imagine what being a kid living in a house like that would be. I would be so fucked up when I would get when 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 oh, when, yeah. I, when when I would be older. Yeah, because. I would, I would assume that the whole world is like this and the whole world, Mm. the whole world isn't one giant party and the whole world isn't Mm. one big giant porn thing. Mm -hmm. It's just something that is here, Mm. but it's not reality. It's fiction. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's just, it's just, um, it's just really disheartening to see her character basically stay static throughout the whole course of the film. Paul Thomas Anderson, um, Uh, yeah, Paul Paul Mm. Thomas Anderson does a really good job with giving his characters closure. But the one person that he doesn't really do that with, Mm. and he leaves her static, is Julianne Moore for some reason. Like I don't know. I don't know if he did that to make a point, but it's really disheartening what he does with her.
1: You know, Amber. She wants to have her cake and eat it too. She's not willing to give up her lifestyle. Her. She wants a son and she wants a lifestyle. And mm-hmm. she wants to try and have both. And it's not working and she kind of can't work out why. Two things. One, the judge in that scene. Um, that was the other porn star. That's a real porn star, the judge. Mm-hmm. Oh. And yes, and it's funny because that actual porn star went through that exact scenario that she's actually being the judge of in her real life. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh wow. Okay.
1: And another thing that Paul Thomas Anderson said about the characters, and he said none of the characters have arcs in this movie and he purposely did that. He wanted the characters to be the same from the beginning to the end because some people don't change and that's what he wanted to put forth, that some people, you know, not everybody has an arc, not everybody learns their lessons, not everybody gets what they want and he wanted to keep the characters the same throughout the whole movie, which I really like because it's true, not everybody fucking changes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is true, but I kind of um, disagree with that just a little bit. Um, I do think that although he tried to keep the characters static throughout the course of the film, I do think that they do learn some lessons, and I do think that they some of them get better. Because the other thing that I was thinking throughout this course of this movie is with the amount of drugs that these characters take in this film, mm. I was really surprised nobody died. I was like, somebody's going to die here.
1: Well, there was people, that one girl that died in the beginning when she did it when she had a cocaine overdose. <laughs> do you remember that girl? Yeah,
0: but yeah, but like yeah, not yeah, the yeah, main the, characters. The <laughs> yeah, in the party. Yeah. But I, but 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 more specifically, I was thinking about the main characters mm. because I was just like, this is not sustainable. So yeah. the way that the way that the Paul Thomas Henderson did this, with him saying that there is no arcs or anybody in this movie, I don't agree with that personally because mm. I do think that. He does make small little changes, Mm. and he does make his characters conscious of bad behavior to a point, Mm. but in other ways, he does keep them flat and static. Yeah.
1: So now we're back with Eddie, and Eddie has basically fallen from grace. Uh, He's lost everything. He has no money. He's spent it all on drugs. And he's basically prostituting himself, because he has nothing, because of the drugs. And a car pulls up next, standing on the street, and a car b- pulls up next to him and a guy, you know, says, you know, get in and they go to like a, a, a parking lot where there's there's nobody there. And he, the guy goes, I want to watch you jerk off. That's, I don't want to touch anything, just I want to watch you jerk off. And so, you know, Mark Wahlberg kind of gets into it and as he's, as he's, as he's um, in the middle of it, this truck pulls up and it's the guy's friends. And they drag Eddie out of the car and they start um, basically beating the shit out of him because they think he's gay. And it's like, oh, that's rough. But I like the scene because it shows this is what drugs will do. And he would have never been in that situation if he had never touched drugs. And it's like, it's like a, it's like an after school special really, <laughs> isn't it?
0: <laughs> Don't do drugs. No, but no, but the other thing it is, is it, it also tells you it's a slippery slope. Mm, mm-hmm. Once you, once you, once you start to go down that path, there's no breaks. Yeah, <laughs> until you until you fucking hit the bottom.
1: Yeah,
0: that's it. And uh, and and you know and and Mark Wahlberg has not hit the bottom yet. No, uh, no, no. Which is terrifying. It's coming up. up. But so, I, you know, but 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 I, but, I, but I, just real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, it's real. It's really disheartening to see him get the kick, the shit kicked out of him. Oh, yeah. Because I think that he's a gay guy in yeah. in a fucking parking lot in the middle of fucking nowhere
1: yeah 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 intercut with that scene is a scene in a limo with with jack and roller girl and so jack has he's trying to embrace you know the video thing so he's got a camera there he's like he's basically wants to wants to stop on the side of the road in the limo and pick up a random guy to have sex with roller girl um randomly in the car and film it and that's that's gonna be his fucking movie and i was like oh that's weird so anyway they pull up and a guy gets in and it's the guy from Roller Girls class that was that was, you know, saying I like to suck, like making fun of her in class. And she doesn't recognize him at first. And she he sits there and he goes, oh, I know you, aren't you, Randy? And she her face is just like, What? No. And he's like, yeah, we went to class together. Don't you remember me? And she just like, you, fuck, you can fucking see like the blood draining from her face. And she's like, uh, n- no, uh, yeah, no, no, I'm Roller Girl, you know, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, well, I know it's you. And anyway, so they get to it and Jackie's trying to direct him. Jackie's like, no, you got to move here, move there. And the guy's like, can you just fucking let me do my thing? Like, fuck, man. Anyway, Roller Girl's had enough. He fucking pushes him off and goes, nah, nah, nah. And he sits, the guy sits back and he goes, you've given me a heart on the leash you can do is like jerk me off or something. And like, it's just like, Oh my God, this fucking guy. <laughs> so he gets kicked out of the car. Jack starts beating him up. Roller girl obviously remembers who he is and starts beating the shit out of him with her roller skates and basically says, oh. you know, fuck you get the, because it's a, it's a, she knows he's the guy. And the fact that he got in the car and she should have said something, she should have said, no, not, no, Jack, not this guy. Because, you know, she's traumatized for life now. (laughs) Like she's gonna have sex with a guy that that was a fuckwit to her. Like, no, but it's a full on scene. It's full on. And the way that Heather Graham acted in this role, in this particular scene, was great. You could see. Like Burt Reynolds had to hold her back. She was like jumping and screaming and yeah, it was a great scene. Acting wise.
0: Yeah, no, it was it was really it was really a tough thing to watch. Mm. And the thing that made it really tough was this was this guy was just a ball back son of a bitch. And the way that he, the way that he treated her when he got into the limo and the fact that after roller girl said, I don't want it. The fact that he said the least she could do is jerk me off. And I love Bert reaction when he pulls him out of the fucking car and beats the shit out of him. Yeah. I was like, fuck. Yeah. But also Heather, um, Heather Graham is roller girl. I think this is our best scene in the movie Mm. because she just fucking, loses it yeah and she is I, and the other thing that i'm thinking is that she's gonna need some serious therapy <laughs> oh yeah because <laughs> this shit this shit is not going to be easy to to get over but it was just a really really well acted scene and it was really tough to watch but um mm. but it was just great but really tough to watch
1: yeah so now we're with buck which is the cowboy dude and he's with his wife and they stop at a shop they stop at a bakery and she's she's pregnant, and she says, "Look, can you get me, you know, this, this, and this?" He's like, "Yep, sure." And he goes in, and he goes, "Oh, I'll have this, this, and this." And then it then they get held up. There's a guy with a gun that comes in. Give me your money. Get the money out of the safe. And there's a there's a big dude that's that's in plaid, and he's sitting down at one of the booths. And he gets his gun out. He shoots the shooter. The shooter's gun goes off, which shoots the other guy. And then another gun goes off, which basically. Everybody that's in that bakery dies except Buck and he's standing there and er- there's all these dead bodies everywhere <laughs> and he's like oh he's got blood all over his face and he was like oh my god but the 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 money from the safe is sitting on the floor next to the blood and he's looking at it because we know from before he tried to get a loan and he was rejected and he's like fuck should i take it should i not take it should i take it like he's just he's really like i don't know what i should do here and then he just grabs the money and just kind of kind of leaves and and walks out. And I was I like that scene because it was so funny how it was done, but I like the fact that he got what he wanted, albeit in a weird way, he got what he wanted.
0: Yeah, I look, it was it, it's a really, really disheartening scene because honestly, I thought he was gonna get shot. And I thought he was gonna die. Um, so I was really happy to see that. He was survived. And the way that Paul Thomas Henderson staged the scene was that was the guy in one of the booths shot the guy who was robbing the place. And then his bullet or 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 the or the the guy in the booth's bullet uh, deflected and killed the clerk. It went right <laughs> through his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And 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 his brain matter splattered on Don Chilo's face. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> the bullet went through his head. Yeah. And I was like, that's an awesome moment, but also, like Dean said, I like that Don Chill's character got what he wanted ultimately in the first place, mm. and I felt good for him because he didn't he didn't deserve that shooting from the bank just because mm. he worked on a porn set. He yep. wasn't even in a porn movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So now we're with Eddie, and he's made uh, drug friends. I don't have money. They, they, but they, but they want money for for fucking drugs. And so they come up with a scheme to sell cocaine to like a drug lordy or like a rich guy, but um, it's not real cocaine. And let's just say it doesn't fucking go well <laughs> at all.
0: No, it does not. They
1: show up at this guy's house. They're like, oh, we want five grand for this for this cocaine. And they're, they're sitting on the couch and the bodyguard takes it and he's kind of, you know, he's not tasting it. He's just he's measuring it. And they're like, okay, well, you know, we got to go now. We, we have to go now. And... One of the guys who play, who's played by um, Thomas Jane, he's like, "Oh, I want what's in the safe under your bed." And Mark Wahlberg's like, "What the fuck are you doing? Let's just fucking go. We got the money. Let's just fucking go." He's like, "No, I want the safe that's under." And then and then it just all hell breaks loose, and and there's guns, and everybody gets fucking the 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 fucking drug guy gets shot, the bodyguard gets shot, Thomas Jane fucking dies, Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley fucking run out of there, and they're being shot at, and they get in the car, cu- and it's just fucked.
0: This is rock bottom. I really, really love this scene because number one, I really loved the uh, drug dealer because he's played by Doc Ock, Oh
1: my god, it is Doc Ock, isn't it? Fuck, stop. it's, it's you know Doc what? Ock. You know I didn't notice him because he's so fucking skinny in this movie. Yeah, so skinny. Oh my god, he's
0: Doc Ock. Yes, yeah. yeah, but you know, but the way, but but the way, like he's singing like Motorhead, and you know, and then you know, and Great then song. um. Oh my god Je- Jesse's girl too. But the one thing I fucking hated about the scene so fucking much was tom Paul 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 Miss had like this fucking idiot Chinese person in the corner of the room oh, setting crap. off fucking fireworks oh my and god. it pissed me the fuck off. Oh. I was like,
1: what the fuck? Can I tell you something oh. about,
0: i've got I've got a little bit of trivia for that scene,
1: so All right, go ahead, so in that scene, the reason. The reason why Paul Thomas Anderson. So, so, in the scene, there's a little, there's a Chinese guy in just in the background, and he's setting off these firecrackers. And every time it goes off, you can see Mark Warburg, John C. Riley, and Thomas Jane like flinch, right? Because they're not expecting it. And what's he, what's he, what's the guy that plays Doc Ock? We'll just talk, call him Doc Ock. Yeah.
0: Alfred, yeah, Alfred Molina.
1: Right. Alfred Molina. So, in that scene, because you'll notice in the scene, he actually doesn't flinch when the firecrackers go off. So in the scene, okay. um, Paul Thomas Anderson had him wear earplugs so he couldn't actually hear anything because he wanted, he wanted Alfred to be totally disassociated with what the fuck With like. It's t- so natural. He's not even, he's not even, oh. he's not even, he doesn't even notice it anymore because the firecrackers go off so much. But every time they flinched, it, they, they were real firecrackers that they were using. This is not put in sound afterwards. That was in the scene, yeah, no. and he wanted them wow. to jump, and he wanted it to be heightened, and that was the most oh, annoying thing about that scene. I was like, "Fucking stop with the
0: firecrackers! It's fucking shit. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I got good. Oh no, but I was, I was sitting, there, I was sitting, there going, "Fuck you, my like, <laughs> look, 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 that guys." I'll just say now, I love this fucking movie, uh, but that was the most annoying, annoying fucking thing. I was like, "Just fucking quit it with uh, this bullshit already! Quit it!"
1: I know so anyway that's rock bottom for eddie and then eddie has nowhere to go but back to jack so he goes back to jack and he pleads him for help he says please please i need your help i don't know what's happened please help me and jack gives him a hug and welcomes him back and i like that he did that because he could have been an asshole he could have said no fuck you but he he's seen the change in him he's seen what's happened he's seen it's the drugs you know and He's seen it's it's taken a lot for him to come back and to say, I have nothing, please. Just please help me. I don't have anywhere to go. So I really like that scene between between um Eddie and Jack.
0: Yeah, also also that 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 really gave me hope that uh Eddie was gonna get that Jack was gonna help Eddie get clean mm. in some way. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know how he's gonna stay clean because that fucking house is probably still littered with drugs yeah. and illegal shit that yeah. shouldn't be there. Yeah. But I'm really glad I'm really glad that throughout all of this Jack was Jack saw how fucked up he got mm. and he understood that he needed to help out this kid if he didn't help him out mm. uh Eddie 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 probably would have been fucking dead yeah within like another week or so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So now we move on and this is kind of a wrap up to all the fucking subplots that are going on. So Buck is yeah, he's 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 bought his stereo store and he's filming an ad for his new stereo store, and Amber is directing it. And Roller Girl is getting her GED. She she went she went back and she, she I don't know why though. Like why? Like you're not gonna use it ever?
0: <laughs> I
1: thought that was a bit strange.
0: No, yeah, no. And the other the other strange thing that in the film is that uh, Roller Girl and Amber have a really rude scene where they. Get fucking, again, Amber, addict uh, somebody to fucking cocaine. Oh, uh, they they doing lines together? Like, uh, what the, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, woman? Yeah. Either, look, I'm like, okay. At that point, I was like, either choose. Either have this fucking life, kill yourself, bring people down with you, or go, or change your fucking life around and get your fucking son back and move on to something better. But she annoyed me so much in this movie granted yeah granted i love julianne Moore in this role but her character just frustrated the fuck out of me because she didn't change she did mm. not learn anything no. in this movie no nothing
1: look the reason why people that have addictions do that try to get other people into it is because they want other people they want friends they want to do it with people they don't want to, people with addictions don't want to drink alone They don't want to do drugs alone. They want to do it with other people. So they try to get other people. That's part of the addiction. So, I mean, it's a shame, but it is part of it. They want to have that community. Like, oh, you do it. It makes them feel better that there's someone else that's like them. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. not an excuse, but that's part of the addiction, which is just fucked. It's just fucked. So anyway, um, the final scene of the movie is we're gearing up to film another porn movie. And Eddie's in his dressing room and um, he's kind of looking in the mirror, practicing his lines and all that. And finally, this is it, people. This is it. This is the scene where Mark Warburg stands up, unzips his pants and fucking pulls it out. And you see it in all its fucking glory. (laughs) You see it right. The last fucking shot of the movie is the fucking penis. And it Mm -hmm. is fucking insane. It's fucking crazy. It's insane. And you can see why everybody was looking at it like, whoa. Like you can see. But I love how he left it to the final shot of the movie. The whole movie, if you haven't seen this before, you're like, give us a look. Fucking, fucking, come on. And it's just like he makes you wait until the last shot and then he shows you. And I think that that's awesome. And that's the end. That's the end of the movie. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, it's you know again, ag- again. I said it at the beginning of this podcast. If you're gonna have a a um a jaws moment like that, mm. you better make the payoff really good, and you you better you better you better make it really hit. Mm. And when Mark Wahlberg releases the lizard mm. at, in the last scene of this movie, you're like, oh wow, that that's that thing is a monster. <laughs> I'm surprised. Yes. I'm surprised anybody could walk after being crossed with that thing. Yeah,
1: (laughs) and it's funny Um, because Mark Wahlberg actually kept it.
0: (laughs) He still has it. Oh, oh, wow.
1: It's made out of some foam thing and he kept it. So
0: there you go. All right. There you go. Do you want to go on to your trivia?
1: Sure. So the first trivia is after seeing – I don't get this trivia. I don't understand this. After seeing the movie, Burt Reynolds regretted making it, Fired his agent and distanced him, himself from the movie.
0: Uh, I don't get that. I really did. He don't. not
1: read the script. Was he not there for filming? Did he not know? I yeah, don't understand.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't like 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 maybe like maybe he had regrets or maybe he just didn't.
1: Yeah, he regretted I don't, making I don't, it. I don't, but I'm like,
0: what? But it's such a good I don't movie. Why would that. you? It's so weird. It is. No, but you know, I don't. I I, I don't understand it. To be honest, I,
1: I don't understand it either. So. Uh, Leo was offered the role of Eddie, Leonardo DiCaprio. But he couldn't do it because he was doing, I think, Titanic at the same time. But he's the one that suggested Mark for the role. I like this one. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson spent a year, one year, hanging out with Ron Jeremy. Oh, wow. And people, if you don't know who Ron Jeremy is, he was the biggest porn star in the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. He's ugly as fuck. But there
0: you go. He's actually yeah, he's actually um he's actually uh going through some very interesting legal troubles right now.
1: Um yes, I'll he's just in, say that. he's in jail for um rape allegations and sexual assault. So, yep. so yeah. Um next one is uh why came Phoenix was offered the role of Eddie.
0: And he said no.
1: Let me let me tell you a little bit about that. There were a lot of actors that were offered the role and they all turned it down and they all had only one reason for turning it down. Why? I don't want to do a movie about the porn industry. And what I find, the fuck? and I, I, that's it that's what they all said and I find that really interesting. You'll play that's a serial so killer, right? You'll play a rapist, but you won't play something someone in the porn industry. They all watch porn. Maybe they don't want to. Be, remember, maybe they don't want to be associated with it, but it's just hilarious. Like, oh, oh, yeah, I'll play Jeffrey Dahmer, but I'm not going to be associated with the porn industry. No, 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 I can't do that. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding?
0: That <laughs> actors that is up that that is ridiculous because when you're an actor, you get you, when you're an actor, your primary goal is to play someone who you're not. And another thing is, everybody watches porn. <laughs>
1: They're trying to. You, are they trying to say? Are they trying to say? Are they just the thing is, it's taboo. That's the problem. No, it's bullshit. taboo, right? No, bullshit. right? Killing kids no, no. on like, being a serial killer of like babies is like totally fine, but like <laughs> on in the porn industry, no, oh my god, no, Fucking stay away.
0: Yeah, 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 but yeah, but, uh, but 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 also, but also, do you do you realize the hypocrisy of that statement? Yeah, I know. Dean just said it killing kid, you k- being being a serial killer, killing people is fine. But not being in a movie all porn? Oh, that's where you draw the line? So yeah, it's so stupid. weird
1: because it's, it's a fucking people's mentality is just so fucking weird. But anyway, so that's stupid. the reason. And my last uh, bit of trivia is uh, Gwyneth Paltrow was offered the role of Roller Girl. That would have been interesting.
0: Oh. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that would have been interesting. But I like um, Heather Graham.
1: Thank yeah, me much. too. Anyway, that's it. That's the end. That's all I got.
0: All right, guys. So uh, that'll do it for this edition of the mixtape podcast. Um, I almost lost it there for a second, but um, do you, if you know you... what podcast we're on? <laughs> yeah, I saved myself. <laughs> uh, it, but in all seriousness, if you like the show that we do here and you want to send us suggestions, questions, or you just want to tell us how awesome we are, uh, you can email us at the mixtape pod at AOL.com, and if we get any suggestions, or if we get any, uh, well wishes or anything like that, we will give you a shout-out on this very show. But, uh, if you choose to come back next week, we will be be talking about a thriller classic. Uh, We will be talking about the 1960 film Psycho, directed by the one and only Alfred Hitchcock. So, Until then, as I say often, if someone is kind enough to ever make you a mixtape, that must truly mean that they love you.
1: The Mixtape
0: Podcast
1: is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.